Hey everybody, this is Brian Zimmerman, host of Jazz's Backstage Pass. We're returning after a brief hiatus, but we're back just in time for the holidays with a very special episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, on it, we talked to the amazing trumpet player, vocalist, songwriter, uh, Bria Skonberg. She's got a new album out right now called Nothing Never Happens. And we brought her on to kind of break down the album track by track. Um, we were trying to replicate a really popular feature on our website. Um, and I think it came across amazingly. Um, um, you know, Bria obviously adds so much context and so much insight to each tune. And it's really cool to kind of hear her describe the track and the making of it and then listen to the tune. So that's what we're going to get into here in a bit. I know you're going to love it. Um, first, I want to just take a minute to thank some of this episode's sponsors. They include Cobuzz.com, the world's largest catalog of streaming music and studio quality high res. You can stream all of your music in the highest possible quality starting at just $9.99 per month. You can visit on.cobuzz.com slash jazzis to learn more. And that's Cobuzz spelled Q-O-B-U-Z. Thanks also to Prairie Star Records. They've got a new album out right now by vo- vocalist Patrice Jegu. It's called If This Ain't Love. You can check her out online at patricejegu.com. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-E-J-E-G-O-U.com. Another big thanks to the vocalist Morris Paul Kennedy. He's got a new album out right now called Love in the Moments. You can read more about it and hear excerpts at musicbymorris.net. All right, that'll do it for today's sponsors. Let's go ahead and get into this episode with trumpeter Bria Skonberg. Bria, love the album. I'm a trumpet player, and I'm not just saying that because I am a trumpet player. Um, Love the album. Love your direction on it. I love your voice. Um, I love your songwriting ability, and I love that this album, I don't know, it kind of touches on every genre. Uh, People who aren't necessarily hardcore jazz fans will find something to love on it. People who are deep, you know, straight ahead trad jazz fans will have something to identify in it. Um, But it's really got such a broad appeal, and at the same time, it's super personal because your songwriting, um, it takes it very personal and turns it into universal, like which all great songwriting does. Um, I want to just start, before we get into our questions based on the tracks, with some, you know, broad umbrella questions with the title. Um, Nothing Never Happens. Where'd that come from, and what does that mean for you? Well, there's a a few different reasons for that title. Um, The first you know, I could say the idea that nothing never happens. You know, about two years ago, I feel like the the white noise surrounding everything that's been going on in the world and the, the media and beyond just got to be too much. I know everybody who's listening to this can relate to that. And uh, it just felt like, you know, it just was constant. And so for me, I needed to just block everything out. I took myself off the grid and I... Uh, went on a couple of writing retreats just to process my feelings about everything and really ultimately uh, explore and try to discover songs that would act as vehicles to kind of go through um, uh, processing again all that that quote-unquote information. Uh, The phrase itself actually came from from traveling a lot over many many years with my bands and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Stuff goes wrong. Your luggage goes missing. Oh, yeah. your, your band members go missing. Uh, things get broken. You know, there are many times. Um, there are many times when it's very uncertain. You're not entirely sure what's going to happen. But 
if you just keep going <laughs> and you remain positive, something always happens. Nothing never happens. So that's kind of the takeaway is like, you know, there's this there's this tension within it that says, ah, nothing never happens and that's frustrating, but nothing never happens. So stay optimistic, you know, keep your head down and keep on going and hold on to that silver lining of hope. Nice. I love that. It's such good advice too to just kind of like, not not really judge the situation like oh this is something happening and it's bad um something happening is good but just kind of like take it in like like a lens like a documentary filmmaker so awesome um and i know that this project also grew out of this month-long residency you had at joe's pub correct yeah actually last spring i i um had the opportunity to play there once a month for a few months in a row, which was helpful because I would basically go write, workshop some material, bring it back, perform it, take it back <laughs> into the shed and tweak it a little bit. And with my regular group of guys, you know, that's been a big part of this album too, is just developing with them musically and personally. Nice. Yeah. And I, I understand that also kind of like contributed to this feel of, you know, because Joe's Pub isn't a, a tr- like a strict jazz club. It's a little bit of everybody. Um, so you had to kind of craft music that would appeal to this crowd. Yeah, well, because ultimately it appeals. That's what I'm interested in. You know, I love all kinds of music. I listen to all sorts of music. And the more that I my music kind of reflects that and puts out, you know, my authentic uh, tastes, the more that those different people uh, I find flock back. And it's really interesting to hear what people hear within it because there is a little bit of everything. Totally, totally. It reminds me of this song. Um, you know, Oliver Wood? Of the Wood Brothers? I don't. He Oh, you should check him out. The Wood Brothers is a great group. It's Chris Wood on bass and Oliver Wood. He has, but Oliver Wood has a band called King Johnson, and they've got a song title, it's all one word, called Adult Contemporary Roots Rock Blues Jazz Funk. <laughs> I was like, Hashtag. You know, that kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of applies. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, a heck of a band. I mean, this is, you mentioned that group of guys, this is a killer ensemble. Well, to, to be honest, I, you know, putting out original music is always makes you a little vulnerable. But this one, I, I always felt like I needed to preface, like, it's not a straight ahead jazz album, this or that, which, uh, you know, I was a little, I don't know, not necessarily worried, but I knew I was taking a risk. But the the feedback and like, even as you, you know, gave those compliments has been very, very encouraging. So thank you so much. Awesome. No, no, you're very welcome. It's 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 a wonderful record, and we'll get into it in a bit. I wanted to talk, just set the stage here a little bit about your background. You are from Canada, British Columbia, correct? I am from Chilliwack, British Columbia. Oh, very nice. Must be beautiful. That's uh, beautiful, but getting expensive is what I hear. <laughs> yeah, it's almost in New York, except for the exchange rate part. <laughs> and you're in New York now, more or less permanently? Yes, I've been in New York for almost 10 years. I'm al- I'm almost made it. <laughs> All right, so tell me about this story where, like, the day you arrived or something like that, you went to a jam in Washington Square Park, and, like, a major jazz superpower showed up. Yes, yes. Um, So I had, uh, you know, again, taken a risk moving to New York City. I'd been there a few times before, but this was really the time where I had my bags packed, kissed my parents goodbye, and, you know, had the intention of maybe not ever going back. So I was really just emotional and kind of trying to figure out if it was the right thing to do, and I... I took a red-eye flight, crashed on my friend's couch for a couple of hours, and she said, hey, uh, you want to come out and just play some music, busking in Washington Square Park with this band called Baby Soda, and they're really great and really, really old jazz. And I think we were playing 
about an hour in, we were playing Jelly Roll Morton's Wine and Boy <laughs> Blues. Yeah. And and Winton Marsalis <laughs> walked by, like the Great Crazy. Oz. I know. I again, I was short on sleep, so I was like, "Is is this really happening right now? <laughs> Did like, do, do you guys see this thing?" And he and he gave me a thumbs up, which <laughs> it was so like just. Um, That's such an insane story. If I know you think that about very it. Like day. They want, the jazz gods were smiling down at you. Uh, I, I definitely day. took it as a sign, and I, you know, I gave yeah. them an awkward kind of wave back, <laughs> <laughs> as I do. Um, but you know, and, and since then, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a few times. And he's been very yep. supportive. But that was just like, wow, you know, you you take a chance, you put yourself in the right situation, and some magical things can just start to open up. So that was whether he knew it or not, that was a definitive moment for me. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Bria, are you ready to get into our questions here based on the tracks from your album? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, album opens with Blackout, right? Wonderful song, and just may include, in my opinion, the uh, quote of the year here for lyrics, I'm done with your face. <laughs> it's, it's taking me a while to deliver that with a, with a straight face. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, it's just like the per- perfect, like, I'm done with your face. That's how you feel about an ex. That's how you feel about someone uh, just like is giving you a hard time at, you know, grocery store. I am done with your face. So, um, you, you know, you marry the lyrics, which are obviously great, um, with this really kind of intense song, too. I wanted to ask where this song came from, where it took shape. Is it about someone personal or is it about someone uh, maybe on a more national scale whose face you could be done with? Yeah, there are a couple levels of, I guess, reveal within this song. It's got a real bluesy feel to it. Um, and yeah, as the as the song kind of uh, un- unravels, it could be a love song. I mean, you could make it that. And then eventually it starts talking about, you know, the monopoly that I see on TV and, you know, just the falsities that go within that and how much I just want to just shut it all out again and black out and get off the grid. That's what I say, like just to, you know, you can lose yourself within music. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, I thought it was the essence of what the disc, um, the album is about again, just being able to, you know, escape, but release yourself from this tension, uh, through the healing powers of music. Totally. Is that someplace you go naturally? Like when you're tense, you go to the music? Or is it something you have to remind yourself? You know, like you feel tense, you don't know why. You know what? Let me take this to the music. Let me express it that way. I am so lucky to play trumpet. <laughs> it is It is like, it is the musical equivalent of just yelling ah! <laughs> all the time. And between, yeah, between music and some, you know, regular exercise, I, I run. If, if oh, I don't nice. do, if I don't do those things, you know, at least every couple of days, I start to get pretty kind of uh, feeling frustrated. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I just ran actually my first marathon. Wow. In October. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, it, <laughs> I crossed the finish line. We'll just leave it at this for the, for the listeners. I crossed the finish line. What happened between it did not go so well. I was so cramped. I was so dehydrated, but I have the medal to prove it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's not, you know, and with that kind of, that kind of, um, uh, challenge, it's, it's not always how you do it. It's why you do it. So true. So true. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a listen to a little bit of the track. This is Blackout.
stuff there. Once again, that track was Blackout. We're going to move on to the next track. This one is called So Is The Day. Bria, from what I understand, this was originally written um, for a 2012 album of the same name, correct? Yes, actually, I wrote the song around 2010 before I had even moved to New York. Um, and the that album that came out of Random Act Records, uh, that was the first time I'd ever I recorded it. And I love that recording. Uh, but since then, the song has just morphed so much. It's become this real vehicle, again, like we were talking before, where I can just... Uh, address head on whatever it is that I'm kind of dealing with and you know vocally and trumpet wise be able to play through it so I find that the version on this album just has so much nuance it's got depth it's got experience behind it uh, and I wanted to capture that at this time I mean who knows maybe I'll record it in another 20 years and it'll have another layer of grit on it but we'll see well, and that's what I love about it it's the simple refrain right uh, the core of it is I want you but I can't have you which is a feeling that everybody has felt, not just about people, about, you know, anything, um, ideas, concepts, right? Um, this version of it has that, I, I love it, that swampy New Orleans bayou feel, that St. James infirmary feel. Um, I'm curious, when did you first fall in love with that sound? Because we've seen it pop up here and then in your work, but that just New Orleans, you know, humidity on the skin, frizzy hair uh, sound. <laughs> Where did you first fall in love with that? Well, so in Chilliwack, we actually had a jazz festival that was uh, that featured a lot of the music of the older greats. So I learned about Louis Armstrong, Jelly Roll Morton, Sidney Bechet, especially, um, and had the opportunity to learn some of that music. Of course, I didn't have the life experience to really, you know, kind of back it up at that time, but I was drawn to it. Um, and, you know, I continued on learning about classic American styles of jazz, eventually going and visiting several times, and I have since then, to New Orleans. Um, and you know what, I've, I find that just those sorts of songs I'm really drawn to, we're talking about minor kind of um, malady percussion, also very prevalent in Duke Ellington's music. I'm a big fan, like how he took that to the next level. Um, you know, we're talking about Winton before. I find that the Winton Marsalis septet also draws on that influence, and that's really satisfying to me. So I just, you know, I look for opportunities to bring that in the music, and I find it's very universal. Again, we're talking about kind of like, again, it's, it really comes down to the malady percussion and minor just kind of vampy vibe, and it seems to be something that everybody gets into, maybe because it goes way back even to like tangos and, um, you know, deeper, deeper roots. Awesome. Awesome. Well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of the track So Is The Day. I love you But I can't have you So is the day that This song 
All right. Um, you can obviously hear, again, that kind of New Orleans influence you talked about, that Duke Ellington color palette that you mentioned. Um, and the Duke is the perfect segue to the next track on the disc, which is one of my favorites. This might be my favorite. It's Blackbird Fantasy. It's a mashup of Blackbird by the Beatles and Black and Tan Fantasy by Duke Ellington. Genius. It it wouldn't have occurred to me. I doubt it would have occurred to anybody else. How did this mashup occur to you? I have to remember. Um, You know, I think that this came about because I uh, was doing some outreach for Jazz and Lincoln Center. They have this incredible program called Jazz for Young People, uh, led by Justin Poindexter, Jake Blazzini, Oliver Beardsley, and they put together troops to go out and work with uh, students a few times over the course of a year. And the first concert is about jazz and democracy and the New Orleans roots, and the second one is jazz and the Harlem Renaissance, this, the um, the Great Migration, and the third is jazz in the Civil Rights era. So I think for me, you know, as much as I love to teach, I learn so much, and linking those different eras together um, is important to me. So somewhere in there, I was thinking about okay, the Harlem Renaissance. We've got Duke Ellington going into the Civil Rights era, and a Blackbird was actually a song written from across the pond in response to what was going on in the United States during the '60s. Uh, so somehow those two ideas just kind of circled around each other and ultimately I pulled it together with a blues because you know we are all connected in that way too so yes this is like a a mashup I guess you'd say one song interwoven with another and it's really fun this this sort of process um, is really fun for me because I have ideas and I kind of notate them and it's not until the band plays them for the first time where I go (laughs) oh my god it worked (laughs) so so I I definitely had that feeling with this mashup Gotta love when that happens. Gotta love when that happens. You know, you mentioned the impact that um, Duke Ellington had on you. What about the Beatles? How did they factor into your musical upbringing? Oh, I think, you know, Abbey Road was definitely one that my family uh, had on play all the time in our road trips. That, like, same sort of, oh, darling. <laughs> there's, a, there's a song maybe we'll reference later on on the album that has that sort of feel to it. Um, sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the Beatles, it's just phenomenal songwriting. The amount of music, the amount of content they put out in such a short amount of time is just so inspiring. And yet also, again, universal, like obviously songs like Imagine and such. Um, but I think, you know, of all the Beatles albums, Abbey Road is the one that I've spent the most time with. Were you aware of the book? It came out semi-recently um, by an author named Thomas Brothers called Help. Um, the Beatles, Duke Ellington, and the Magic of Collaboration. No kidding. Yes, he he literally pitted. Yes, he pitted. The, he said there were no. They stand as the two greatest examples of musical collaboration in music history. You know, the Duke Ellington and his orchestra on the one hand, and the Beatles on the other. Wow, that's so and wild. It, and it, yeah, and so I was. I I had assumed maybe you'd read it or come across it. And if not, I was going to ask you your own little thesis of like what they have in common like what what connective tissue you see between you see between duke ellington and the beatles i mean i think their music is you know around playing with for people with and for people so like duke ellington obviously you know one of the greatest band leaders of all time because he empowered the voices in his bands to contribute and would write pieces that show them off in their best lights um or you know, to help develop their ideas. And the Beatles, obviously, they, um, even the Lennon-McCartney writing team that did that song, they, you know, they, they just worked together to 
find their own voices and show off each other's strengths and ultimately wanted to make music that was accessible to the masses. Um, so, you know, I think music making for me too ultimately comes down a lot to what I love, but also how can I uh, reach the most people and not just for whatever, um, you know, career gains and stuff. It's just like, I just like, when I look at a big crowd of people, I just see a bunch of kind of beating hearts. <laughs> I'm like, how can I, how can I connect with these people on another level? How can we have a, use music to bind us together in when the chaos of everything else around us is, you know, is so great. Very well said. And uh, on that note, let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of Blackbird Fantasy. We will move right along to the next track on the album. It's called Square One. And lyrically, again, it's just about such a relatable feeling. This feeling of wiping the slate clean, starting again, which can be both scary on the one hand, like, oh, I'm back at square one, what do I do? But also kind of, I don't know, like refreshing, like, okay, I'm back at square one, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Um... Can you think of an example from your life where where something like that happened? A big reset, a big back to square run. You roll the dice, you know, it's candy land. You go back down the chutes and ladders. I think I just confused the two games there. But anyway, you're back at <laughs> you're back at square one. You know, the feeling behind the song is not always that you that you're back at the place that you started, but the fact that when you arrive at your destination, you're just at a new starting point. So, um, you know, we could definitely use the, the time when I moved to New York City. Like I had a I had a, a fantastic time in Vancouver, you know, so I went to college in Vancouver and was successful in many ways there and loved it. But I wanted a challenge. And so I moved on, um, you know, and so it's just a matter of kind of building on those successes. But, you know, you again, just kind of keeping going. But ultimately, it's about getting to the next level. But feeling like you're you know there's always more to learn i guess that's the kind of the takeaway too like as you learn you figure out there is more to learn and um and i'm still just you know pushing to continue to uh make again make the most of this life experience <laughs> like the uh, the last phrase of the the song is um uh, when day is over and work is done, I hear the echoed praises song. Like, you know, I've done um, some things and things have been celebrated. 
but here I am still hanging on that bottom rung, <laughs> you know, for me, like I feel, I feel strength and encouragement from all the things that have happened, but I am just, you know, I'm just getting started <laughs> again. And I think many of my right. favorite artists over time, you're like, I mean, probably Duke Ellington later in his life, you're like, oh, he, you know, he was just getting started every step of the way. <laughs> Right, right. And if Constant you, yeah, and if you approach that life that way, I mean, you'll never be bored. You'll always be inspired, and you know, work hard, stay humble. I should, and I want to add that song was a co-write uh, with a wonderful woman named Cariad Harmon. Um, I went to Nashville a couple of years ago just to have these kind of blind dates with songwriters, and uh, she's one that I connected with, and. I was kind of explaining that concept, and and we, she helped you know weave together the lyrics and such. So we, it was it's really a, it was lovely to put that together. And she was you know has experienced that and was at a similar point in her life, having just relocated to Nashville. Hmm. Well, I guess that explains that kind of country Americana twang. Yeah, wow. Doug Womble on guitar is all over oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know such a great setting for you and your voice. So. Um, Bria, let's cue up square one and take a listen. Here I am at square one It's not my first trip round the sun Look how far, girl, you have come Here I am at square one Over mountains through the air I'd hear the call and be right there Can't go back to where I'm Right, Bria, we are going to move right along to the next song. This one, another great title, um, Villain Vanguard. It's, uh, I guess, a little bit of play on the storied, uh, you know, um, New York City jazz venue. But uh, I understand there's another layer to it. Like a lot of the stuff you do, there's another layer to this title. So how did it originate? The name reminds us of, of the, the club very much, but I, it's nothing about the club or, or its wonderful owner and the many nights of music I've enjoyed there. Um, this song in particular was inspired right after I attended a women's march, the one in New York City with a couple million of my best friends. And uh, that was just a really inspiring, empowering experience. And um, the way that I write music is to go and sit at my keyboard and just basically wait for whatever wants to come out to come out <laughs> and this song for sure was was me processing you know the feelings that I have about um, you know being a woman at this time and being part of these movements and uh, and just kind of paints a scene of a of a march of a of a protest it does with that march feel you know kind of that march tempo heavy snare that kind of stuff yeah it totally evokes that um and you know obviously it's amazing it's so great to see this movement on a national level but what's important i think is we're also seeing it on a micro level in jazz um just recently in the past few years months even um because jazz historically been a music of 
tolerance, you know, of, you know, soundtrack of the civil rights era. But it's also got this kind of, I know, I feel like it's it's always had this issue with the marginalization of women in jazz. Do you feel like we're reaching a better place just within the past few years and month from what you've seen based on, um, you know, the movements within jazz, the popularity of some of the recent, you know, Artemis, all-female ensembles? Uh, absolutely. I know that I personally felt that, you know, especially over the last couple of years, you know, because of the conversations um, by Me Too's and surrounding, uh, you know, misogyny and whatnot. Um, but also there are some incredible people really stepping up to inspire. Terry Lynn Carrington, obviously, is at the front of that pack. She's incredible. Um, I'm gonna, you know, Roxy Koss is really inspiring. She's founded with some other amazing members, the, uh, the Women in Jazz organization. And I think now just for me too, I just wanted to get more involved because I, you know, I've always been kind of looking ahead, looking ahead, but now I'm, you know, I look behind me too with the other generations and I've been like, where are the girls? Like where, there should have been more by now, <laughs> you know, that's kind right. of, you know, I guess maybe that's, that's the way it's always been, but I was expecting more. And that, that said, there are some phenomenal, phenomenal young women players coming up and I am very inspired by them. But yeah, I just, um, I think it's an important topic and certainly one that resonates. And I love that the trumpet has historically been a call to action instrument, you know, whether it's announcing or uh, warning of danger. And so the song, like in Villain Vanguard, we go through the scene, there's a little bit of moment where it gets hazy again, we kind of get beaten down and then we call back in and rally the troops together to come back stronger than before. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. And as the father of two young daughters, you know, I'm, I'm, yes, I, I, you know, one who loves the drums um, and loves rocking out. Um, I'm so glad to see you address it. And, um, you know, you're an inspiration you know, for a lot of young women getting into jazz. I want to ask this before we cue up the track real quick. It's kind of like a fun question. Do you have like a quintessential village vanguard story? Just like where you're there and you're like, oh, this is so New York jazz right now. Or what's the craziest thing that's ever happened at the village vanguard? You know what, the first time I ever came to New York was 2006 with three of my best friends. And, you know, we <laughs> we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. I think we just we just had to go to New York and we were all sharing one little itty bitty hotel room and um, and couldn't afford, you know, right out of college, couldn't afford anything. So the first time I went to the, uh, the Village Vanguard, I stood in the stairwell with my best friends, probably, <laughs> to be honest, probably drinking wine out of water bottles, trying to hear Kurt yeah. Rosenwinkel. <laughs> And then, and then we befriended the band and went to Fat Cat and played pool. So it was, that was that's awesome. like my first memory of um, Village Vanguard. But also, you know, having seen the Vanguard Orchestra, which is phenomenal, and um, I most rec- I saw Tom Harrell there a little while ago, which was a mind bending experience. I, oh, it absolutely is. One of my favorite trumpet players ever. Whenever he's there, I when I used to live in New York, I would drop what I was doing. I'd, I'd head to the Vanguard to see Tom Harrell. All right. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead and cue up the track Villain Vanguard. Here it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
Korea. The next track on the album is Bang Bang. Um, it's a Sonny Bono tune originally, but it's been covered by a bunch of people. Um, you use it in an interesting way, which is kind of to tackle um, the the theme of gun violence in America right now. Um, and I'm curious, just as an artist, how you get through just this notion of uncertainty or paralysis of tackling such a big, powerful theme. You know, it's like, where do you start? How do you even address it? Um, for a lot of our listeners who are aspiring songwriters, I know that's a major issue. It's just like, I, I want to tackle a big issue, but I don't know how. So how do you get there? As somebody who, again, went through a public school uh, system and my parents are public school teachers and such and working a lot in them, like nothing upsets me more than gun violence in schools. I mean, gun violence in its own is, is horrifying. Um, but that in particular uh, has, has bothered me. And uh, I, I recently met this incredible group. Uh, it's called, uh, the, called Shine MSD, and they've created the Instrument of Hope. I've, it's posted all over my uh, Instagram and such. Um, but they have created a trumpet that is made out of bullet casings and brass. I don't know if you're familiar with this. But, um, no. Yeah, you have to... But it's MSD Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? Exactly. Okay. So yeah. Shine MSD was created in the aftermath of uh, the Parkland School shooting. And it's a wonderful group that provides healing for trauma th- through the arts. And when I learned about this trumpet that they had made, all of those pieces fell in the place for me. About, oh, okay, music heals, trumpet is this, it's a message. And I can use it, um, you know, to... I have been using it on these songs, but um, that's kind of the angle that I have taken as far as talking about gun violence, because it is a huge subject and it divides many people in many ways, but I think it is indisputable that every student and staff member should feel safe when they go to a place of learning. Certainly. You know, Stoneman Douglas is actually about 20 minutes from the Jazz's headquarters down here in South Florida. Um, so it had, you know, very kind of local, uh, you know, resonance for us. And, um, it's, you know, gun violence is kind of thing where it kind of exists as an idea for a lot of people and people talk at it from that position, you know, as it's an idea when it happens in your neighborhood, it changes the conversation and, you know, getting people to, you know, to realize that, um, that this is real, that it affects real lives, um, is I think the key to fostering the kind of conversation you're talking about and artists doing it through songs like this, personalizing it is, is one step toward that. So, um, yeah, a, a, a beautiful rendition of this song and a really, really kind of, uh, powerful, powerful concept for you. So with that said, let's go ahead and listen to the track now. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white He would always win the fight I was five and he was six We rode on horses made of sticks He wore black and I wore Always win the fight Bang, bang He shot me down Bang, bang I hit the ground Bang, bang That awful sound Bang, bang 
heavy stuff there. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit, uh, Bria, musically and topically, because the next song on the album is What Now? And, oh, you got to love that 12-8 soul, soul feel. Am I right? Yeah, we were talking about uh, oh. the, the, oh, darling, <laughs> feel Oh, before. the triplet. <laughs> I know. Well, and yeah, the, you know, the, this song leans a little more into, like, kind of a, a late night love ballad sort of feeling but really the essence okay. of the title is what we continue to ask ourselves after such these tragedies and these marches like what now i mean what? what now what what do i do how do i do it where do i do it how do we pull together the pieces totally totally and dealing with you know obviously concepts like that topics like that the question of what now becomes bigger. I'm going to use it on a much lighter scale here. This is our flash lightning question round. Some everyday awkward moments that you find yourself asking what now. All right, we're going to put you on the spot. You ready? You're at a party. Someone comes up to you and says hi. You totally don't know their name. What now, Bria? I go, hi, I'm Bria. <laughs> and they, they might say, I know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I just introduce okay. myself every time. Nice. Okay. Okay. How about this one? It happens to everybody. You think someone is waving at you, so you wave back, but they're actually waving to someone behind you. Just what like, now? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I would turn around and wave to the other person as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> Connect the dots. Nice. Very friendly. Very friendly. Okay. You're saying goodbye to someone and then you're realizing you're going in the same direction. That's always awkward. What now? <laughs> <laughs> just just i mean every step of the way hug it out say bye keep going i don't know just i just like i kind of address the situation say oh this is happening okay let's just keep All going right. you're a friendly person let's see how you answer this one you're talking to somebody and they have like a little bit of schmutz on their lip or something like a little bit of dirt right there you say something do you ignore it what now bria i'll i'll tell them i'll tell them <laughs> Good for in, you. In a nice okay. way. In a nice, in like a, hey, you got something going on right here. Good. I think you could divide the world into two people, tellers and ignorers. And I'm glad to hear that you're a teller. You're looking out. Um, on that note, let's go ahead and cue up the track. What? Okay, we're going to end with the final track on the album. It closes it out, Bria. It's I Want to Break Free by Queen. You have this awesome jazz funk rendition. I just want to ask you this question as we play you out here. When you close your eyes, when you hear the music, the original song, the Queen song, where does it take you? What place? What memory? What's going on in your head? So talk about being optimistic. I grew up in British Columbia in the Pacific Northwest where it rains about 387 days a year. And oh, yeah. I owned a convertible. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this takes yes. me back to my senior year in high school. I've got the top down and I'm just singing along with Freddie Mercury. Just going out. That's what this song has always been for me. And now I've like finally got it into the set. I'm so hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Bria, we're going to play that song out as we thank you very, very much uh, for sitting down with us and walking us through your beautiful, amazing new album. Um, Where can people follow you? Where can people pick up the album? The easiest way is just to Google Bria Trumpet and you'll find me wherever, wherever you need. (laughs) Um, On my website, uh, the CD is available. You can get some links there. And also it's available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Amazon, etc. I have a mailing list for monthly mailing bits and pieces and and uh yeah facebook instagram all that Bree scomberg All right, and as I want to break free wines down in the background, I'd like to thank a minute to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. They've got a new album by Gary Bartz, Vincent Herring, and Bobby Watson coming out soon called Bird at 100. It's a tribute to 100 years of Charlie Parker. Learn more at smokesessionsrecords.com. Thanks also to Blue Note Records. They're at the tail end of their 80th anniversary celebration, but uh, they're still partying on with a bunch of cool musical initiatives. To check out everything they've got going on, visit bluenote.com. Another thanks to ECM Records. They've got a new album by Keith Jarrett out right now. It's called Munich 2016. Visit ECM Records to learn more. That's ecmrecords.com to learn more. Uh, Thanks also to the online streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. Our latest is all about the holidays. Classic holiday tunes from your favorite jazz artists. Check it out at Deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Big thanks also to jazzradio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. Visit jazzradio.com to check it out. Thanks also to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey. Raphael Sadiq is coming through town on Valentine's Day. That will be February 14th. For tickets and more info, visit njpac.org. That's njpac.org. Big thanks to Jazz and Lincoln Center, one of New York's premier musical venues. Check out their New Year's Eve concert with bassist Carlos Enriquez. It's one of my favorite bassists ever. It's on December 31st at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, visit jazzis.org. Thanks also to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz. It has been called the Netflix of jazz. To learn more, visit quest.tv. That's Q-W-E-S-T TV. Lastly, hey, independent artists, if you'd like to get your album into the hands of a Jazz's editor, yes, including me, be sure to visit jazzes.com and submit your music through Inside Track. It's a new program that will not only get your album posted on our site, but it will send it directly to my inbox and the inboxes of countless other Jazz's editors. So visit jazzes.com and submit your music now. Uh, Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, too. Nice review, because that really helps. Uh, All right, that'll do it for me. Thanks a lot, everyone. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 